0: Welcome, each of you, first Sunday of 2019, and uh, we're going to get started right away because we're going to talk about things that unite us. Uh, We live in a world that is incredibly fragmented, politically, wham, right down the middle. We live in a world that uh, people are becoming increasingly hostile, uh, increasingly outraged at things they don't like or don't agree with. And, and boy, I am the first one to acknowledge there are a lot of injustices in this world. And there are frankly some things we should be outraged about. But what I think I see happening is outrage for the sake of outrage. And, and yet there is something really important I want you to hear me say today. And it's the first thing I'm choosing to say in, in 2019. And, and that is this, God created us for the purpose of living in community with others. God created us to have relationships. First of all, a relationship with Him. Church is not about religion, it's not about rules. It's about a relationship with Christ. And that relationship with Christ opens the door to a new family. How many times, how many of you spent some time? With family over the holidays, would you wave at me? Uh, How many of you went absolutely perfect? Not a single problem. Would you raise your hand? Three of you. (laughs) The the rest of us, uh, there were moments that we would just kindly look back and say it was a hiccup, uh, but it's behind us till next year. But family is family. We love family, and we're going to get back together with them, and we love them because they're our family. Uh, They didn't get to choose us. We didn't get to choose them, but we're family. And on a much more serious level, that door that opens when you begin your relationship with Jesus Christ takes you into a family of imperfect people. People just like you. People just like me. People who are, as a part of the family of God, now working towards something that is incredible. And that is to live out the purpose for which God created us. And so this month, let me kind of put it in context for you, January 2019, we're going to talk about Christ, community, and purpose. We're going to talk, if you think of it this way, I'm, I'm kind of a visual guy, uh, think of this as a three-legged stool. Uh, what happens when you take a leg off a three-legged stool? It just doesn't, doesn't do its job. Uh, it it wobbles and down you go. Uh, we're going to talk about the very core values of our church family, especially as we talk about the rebirth of our church community. And today, we're going to talk about the glue that holds it all together. Next week, we're going to talk about Christ. The following week. Community and then purpose, but today before we get to the three legs on the stool, I want to talk about the very thing that holds this all together, and 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 I think if you can maybe grab a hold of this and see that this works not just for a church community, but this is how all relationships work. If you're here today and you're struggling in a relationship, friendship, marriage, I want you to know that what I'm going to talk about today will help you uh, put some glue in that relationship and hold it together. Because again, as I said, we live in this amazingly hostile world and there are things pulling at us and, and things that are slicing and dicing us. There's stress, there's, there's work, there, there's just getting on the interstate. There's, there's just a constant, struggles. There's our own emotion. There's our own makeup, our temperaments and how we're wired. All of that creates challenges to our accomplishing God's purpose for us. But if we will get a hold of this, this idea that God did not create us to do life alone. He did not create us to be unconnected. He created us to connect together with others. If we get a hold of that and understand the glue that holds us to that, then we will be well on our way to having healthier families, healthier relationships, being better parents, uh, being far more effective when we go to work. Now, there's a quote not not to get too deep into a history lesson, uh, but going back uh, to Abraham Lincoln. How many have heard of him before? Okay. Uh, in the first hour I asked, how many have heard of Abraham Lincoln? One of the guys said, I voted for him, you know. So, not, not that they're any older in that service. But but uh, it was a joke, and I got it immediately. But the, the truth is... He said something profound. It's actually a part of of our culture. We say it sometimes without attributing to him. We even forget who or why or what the context was. He made the statement. It's not in your notes. He said, A house divided cannot what? Stand. Say say that one time for me. A house divided cannot stand. That's true in marriage. It's true in parenting. It's true in government. And it's true in church community. Somebody said, well, that makes sense that Lincoln said that our country was in a great conflict, a great civil war, north and south, for four years. Brother fought against brother, state against state. I get it. House divided cannot stand. But the truth is he said that two years before the beginning of the Civil War. It was a, a profound prophetic declaration. He saw what was coming. And he didn't want it to happen. He did not want our nation to be torn asunder. And and I hope you will have enough vision to see into the future and look at your marriages and your parenting and and just imagine for a moment what it will look like a year from now or five years from now or 10 years or 20 or 30 years from now. The things you are doing right now will determine whether or not your house will stand. And so today we're going to talk very quickly about three things that unite us. Three things that unite us. There could be many, many more. We're just going to lock in on three of them. There are so many things that unite us. And and rather than spending a lot of time talking about the naughty list, you remember Santa Claus makes a list, naughty and nice, right? Right? And a lot of times you come to church and you hear the preacher talk about the naughty list. You know what I'm talking about? The thou shalt nots. And we do that when we describe church community sometimes. We define ourselves. We define churches by here's the things we don't do. We don't do these things. Those are bad. When I'm here to tell you today, although there are some things that we're better off not doing. I found this out when I became a Christian at the age of 17. Everything God asked me to do, although it might have been hard to start it, in the long run it was good for me. So the things God wanted me to do were good for me. The things that the deceiver, and there is a spiritual conflict here. You, there is no way to, to soft pedal this. There is a conflict going on between good and evil. And what evil wants you to do, the things that may be easy in the short run, bring pleasure, be enjoyable. God's not <laughs> the pleasure police. He's not trying to rain on our parade. He just wants us to have pleasure long term. And so the things that evil wants us to do in the short term may bring pleasure but in the long term, they all bring pain. And so you you, you gotta make a choice and you make that choice every day. It's not a one-time thing. Will I choose God's way? That that brings great joy, peace. And, And so today we're gonna talk about the positive things, the good things that you can do. I'm not gonna beat you up on the bad things. Most of you know what the naughty list includes. So we're, we're going to kind of push that away today, and we're going to talk very specifically about the positive glue that holds the legs on the three-stool, three-legged stool, things that unite us. So in your notes, let's go ahead and get started here with the first one. Uh, before you go there, before you go there, let me do one other thing, okay? Can I do that? I, I kind of jumped out there, and I'm so excited about the three things. I, just, I have an image that will help us get to this Unite idea a little bit, probably more helpful than just putting it into words. And it is uh, a tree, okay? How many of you can recognize a tree two out of three times? Can you do that? Okay, so we're going to get back to that slide. That is a tree. Now, some of you are thinking, that's not very inspiring, Ed. It's a tree. I see trees all the time. Uh, that is, if some of you are sitting here thinking, ah, that's a big tree, that's a sequoia tree. If you were thinking that's a sequoia tree, you would be right. It is a sequoia tree. How many of you have been to California and seen the sequoias firsthand? Would you wave at me? Yeah, we get some folks. They're huge. They're, they're just, if you've even seen them on television or on a big screen, they're perf- Profoundly impactful in their magnitude and their their size. They're they're huge. And and this sequoia tree, here's one just standing there. In the back, you see the forest in the background. But but one standing by itself is not that impressive. And frankly, if if a sequoia tree happens to pop up somewhere by itself, it will have a limited life. Because sequoia trees were actually created by God so that they would cluster together in groves and their roots not only go down deep, but their roots spread out, not that deep beneath the surface. And what they do is so unique and so incredible is they actually interlock together with other sequoia trees. And the reason they hold up to the storms, the the reason they hold up to drought, the reason they hold up to the problems that other trees succumb to is because they literally interlock together with other trees. That, that, that root system literally allows them to draw strength from one another. And, and this glue I'm talking about today, because ultimately when you see a sequoia tea, you see them in groups or in large groups. In other words, you see them, uh, you know, many, many times over one. Uh, to and, and beyond. And, and so the comparison there is really you can't miss it. We're going to talk about things that unite us. And today, I want you to imagine for a moment that you can't make it like a sequoia tree, cannot make it by itself. That you you need to be interlocked together, united together with others in relationship. That's what we've been talking about. And And to do that, You've got to have the glue, the things that give you the basis to do that. And that's what these three things are talking about. So I now want to jump back ahead if we could. Number one, in your notes, would you look at this today, please? Number one, three of the really important things that unite us. Number one, the way we think. The way we think. Uh, The way we think about Jesus, two things here. You can circle Jesus and the church. The way you think about Jesus will determine whether or not, first of all, you are in the family of God. If you see Jesus as an interesting character from history who did some good things, who said some nice things, you've missed out on the fact that Jesus was and is God, and that he came to this planet for the purpose of living a sinless life so that he could pay for our sins, because we're all sinners, Everybody here is messed up. We all have that in common. We have all messed up. Nobody here is perfect. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God is what scripture says. And because we are all sinners, we cannot pay for our own sin. We can't make enough atonement. We have our own sins to pay for. Christ, who did not sin, gave his life to atone for our sin. And how we think about him, if you see him for who he is, God who came to pay for our sins, and you accept his gift of salvation, the way you think about Jesus changes everything. It makes you a member of his family. It unites you to him. But it also unites you to the people around you who have also been born into the family of God. Also, from that, we get the ability to see and think about the church differently. The church is not a building. And, and really, we are kind of raised to think of the church as a building. We go driving down the road as little kids and our, what's that big building? It's a church. When the truth is, that's, that's the most inaccurate statement in the world. It is not a church. It, it, it is a building where the church meets. Because the Bible makes it very clear that the church is the body of Christ, the family of God, those who are born into his family. And the way you think about Jesus, and you become a part of his family when you are born again, also should reshape the way you think about the church. The church of Jesus Christ is the body of Christ, the family of God. And that's absolutely critical. We're we're gonna talk here this month uh, about how amazing these principles that hold the church together will also hold your life together, your marriage together, your relationships together. Because how you think about Jesus will make all the difference in your marriage. The way you think about the church, the body of Christ, and your need to be interlocked together with it, the way you think about the church will make all the difference in your life. You know, this idea... I'm independent. I'm, I'm a lone wolf. I get out there and do life on my own. Basically what you're saying, can I reinterpret that? Is I want no accountability. I want to I go out and do my own thing. And I don't want anybody telling me, not the way to go, bucko. You're going to just go do your own thing. When you're a part of community, there are people to love you and celebrate when times are going well. And there are people who love you enough who in the spirit of Christ are willing to, To tell you, hey, you're better than that. You can do better. And to remind you of the long-term value of walking in a relationship with Christ instead of settling for the short-term, the short-term pleasure. And so I want to read you a verse here that really is so really insightful to the idea of how we think and and how we see Christ and how we submit to his authority. So let, let's go ahead and look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Okay, so we've got, first of all, how we think about Christ. Does he have authority over you? According to scripture, he does. If you're in his family... He has authority over you. If you are in his family, you need to see the church. And here's what it says. Live in harmony. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Pastor Jay talked a lot about purpose last week. The the church, the body of Christ, the family of God, of which you are a part of, if you have seen Christ for who he is and accepted him as your savior, invited him into your life, submitted to his authority, and you now see this body that gathers and assembles on Sunday and worships. You see them for who they are. You've taken your focus off the brick and mortar. You see one another. You can grasp this amazing insight here that it is your privilege, your responsibility to love these people. In other words, together, God has called us to love one another, and care for one another. And I'm telling you if you get your head around that and you become a part of the giving and receiving of the love for one another within the body of Christ your life is going to be better. Uh, Peter also referenced this idea next verse 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 8. Finally all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Do you know, I ran into it again this last week, and I, I've heard it so many times I couldn't put a number to it, but the, the couples that, that I have talked to who are struggling, who virtually are, are saying irreconcilable differences, we just can't get along, we can't get in the same room, we have too many things we fight about. I, I've over the years asked a question, not of everyone, but oftentimes I'll say, what started it all? And they'll think for a bit, and you know what, more times than not, you know what, you know what people end up saying is, we can't remember. Because nobody gets married, meets at the altar, looks in each other's eyes, you know, (laughs) with those fond, you know, emotions and, and the love that is present there. Nobody is standing there. I know I've married a lot of people in my life. I I don't think any of them have stood there and thought, you know, today we're kind of crazy about each other, but not that long in the future. We're going to be beating each other's brains out. Nobody does that. But something happens between there and the beating of each other's brains out. Something happens. And and, and you, you lose track of that commitment of love that was made. And here's a principle. Be tender hearted. And keep a humble attitude. Humility in the body of Christ is the key to gentleness and the ability to flat out get along. You, you can't get along if you're thumping your chest. And you got to be the one in charge. I, I ask people all the time, what is it that's, that's bugging you? And they'll tell me what it is. And it always goes back to something with Ego. I said, well, why don't you just forget about that and accept, oh, no way, I wouldn't wouldn't get my way. I wouldn't say it quite like that because that sounds too bold and brazen. But at the end of the day, all of us battle this issue of humility. And so Peter comes along, and this theme is repeated all throughout scripture. Be of one mind, have sympathy for each other, love each other, brothers and sisters, sounds like a family. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. So the, I want to say this before I wrap this up and move on. The, the power of the church is not in how many people show up. The, the, the church, when it met after Christ's crucifixion, met about 120 people in an upper room. And those 120 people later described as the people that had turned the world upside down. In, in other words, it's, it's not the numbers. It's not the building. When the church began, it didn't have a building it's not all of these peripheral things. It is the love we have for one another. That is the essence of what a church is. And so during this month, we're going to talk about Connect Church, what we as a church family are going to become renewed to become. It's kind of like a rebirth. We as a church community are going to become a new church. And, and I, I'm kind of a big guy on Look Before You Leap. Because after we talk about this for a while, we're going to give you an opportunity to say, yeah, I want to sign a covenant. Now, the difference between a covenant and a contract is a covenant is between you, someone else, and God. A church covenant is between you, your brothers and sisters right here, and God. Marriages are, by design, according to Scripture, a covenant. You, your spouse, and God. Civil ceremonies are you and you. Spouse, spouse, no God. That is not a covenant relationship. Why do you get married in church? Because it's you, you, and God. And so we're going chi- to sign, I'm telling you this now, we're going to sign a covenant. Those who want to be charter members of the new church, the rebirth from the Akron Baptist Temple to connect church. And to get there, from here to there, I want you to look for your leap. I want you to know what you're committing to. And it is such a cool thing to have a chance to be a part of something that's new. I mean, this, this, is, this doesn't come along every, every week, every month, every year. The chance to be a part of a new church. I mean, talk about all the things. When you look back at your life, you can say, I was a part of this. I, I was part of that church, and it continues on. And thousands of people's lives have been impacted because of that. That's pretty cool. I mean, birth is a cool thing even on a human family level. If you have had kids, the truth is when you look back at your life and think of the greatest moments, you're going to end up going back to the time when your kids were born. I I remember when our first was born. Uh, I remember parts of it, but because it was the early part uh, of, of what had evolved from the hippies of that time to what was called natural childbirth, because my father, six kids, and all he did was show up, wait in the waiting room and pass out cigars. Guys, those were the days, okay? (laughs) I was in the first wave of going to Lamaze class, the Huff and Puff class we called it, and I sat there and coached Kathy and and basically what it meant is when she was in delivery, I was going to sit there and be her punching bag while she screamed and cursed at me. So, no, she didn't curse, but she did scream. I'll give you that. And and when, when the birthing thing happened, and I, I've been very honest about this in the past, and, and, you know, there was things that happened I, I still can't talk about, but there were things that happened that caused me to leave where I was and to go back up against a wall in that sterile birthing room and I, I remember hitting the wall with my back and sliding down and the next thing I knew somebody had some smelling salts right down here and I rejoined the action but, uh, you know, the truth is I still look at that I, my my man card took it away for quite a while the truth is I still look at that with such amazing fond memories because one of the greatest moments in My life, Kathy's life, is when our children were born, right? I mean, come on, what else is bigger than that? And so here we're talking about a church being born. You guys get to be in the delivery room. You you guys get to to be there. And yeah, there's going to be a little weeping, wailing, and screaming and yelling between now and then for the birth. But the truth is, it's going to be a joyful thing. You get to be a part of that. And and what I'm doing this month is I'm teaching each of the four Sundays here, leading into the end of the month, the things that all new members of Connect Church will take in a new members class. It's not going to be exactly the same. But we're going to make sure that anybody who joins our family from this point forward, after we sign the covenant, we'll sign the same covenant. And they will have had the same material. And they will, they will hear me stand up and say, we as a church do not define ourselves by the things we're against. We define ourselves by things we are for. That will always be a big part of our DNA. We'll always talk about Christ, community, and purpose. Those three legs will hold the stool up from this point forward. There's a thousand other things we can disagree on. You know, just I mean, frankly, there's a lot of stuff to disagree on. We can't even get everybody here today to decide that the Cleveland Browns are the home team. Some of you think Pittsburgh is, is your team. And I, God bless you if that's your thing. But I'm not gonna fuss with you about that. Although I did have a friend just tell me, before church day, he says, last Sunday was so amazing. It was so wonderful. That game with the Browns was win-win. If we beat the Ravens, we got a winning record. That is so cool. If we lose, Pittsburgh's out. <laughs> no, you know, if that's what floats your boat and feeling good about that is good. But we don't agree about a lot of things, but those things are not worth fighting over. It's true in church. It's true in a marriage. It's true in parenting. Some of you fight over stuff. Some things are worth fussing about, but many things are not. So you can see here that when you think like Jesus, you have purpose. And so the first question I want to give you, you have a reason to live. Here's a question. I'll go ahead and will flash it up there and we'll move forward. Does my thinking match God's purpose for my life? That's kind of a follow-up to what Pastor Jay had to say last week. Does my thinking, do I think about Jesus? Do I see the church for what it is? Not a building, but a body. When we relocate to another building, we the church will be meeting in a different location. That building won't be a church either. It'll be the place where we meet. And you need to see it and understand that and think that way. That will unite us if we all embrace that as truth. Number two, the second thing that kind of grabs a hold of us It won't take me long to talk about this. The mission Jesus gave us unites us. The the mission, you guys, come on. That's what makes the church different than a club. I mean, there's so many civic organizations. Not, Not all bad. Many of them do a lot of civic good. But the difference between that club and the church, and again, we're not church, not the building, the church, the body. The difference between our assembly is we have a reason, a purpose, to gather, to worship God, and and to launch the mission. To get out there and, and do the mission. The mission is something you live. It, it, we become missional in our, in our life. And the agenda is already set. You know, a lot of people go tra- shopping for the church. They, they, they get there and they they walk in and say, okay, preaching, we'll give it a C C+. Uh, you know, pretty decent. Mi- kids ministry B. B, maybe B minus, and uh, parking, good parking, we, we, A plus on the parking, uh, made me feel good, good friendly people, we'll give it an A there, and you go home, and you take the report card, and you decide, I think I like that church, I'll go back there, when the truth is, you ought to be asking, is that group that gathers in Jesus' name, are they actively involved in the mission, do they embrace people who are hurting and broken? Do, do they really care about people who need Jesus? I mean, what happened if you believe that Christ was important to receive him, changed your life, and saved you from a life of pain and sorrow, saved you from what the Bible calls a place of punishment, a place called hell, and given you in its place a place called heaven, taken you from condemned and given you hope. How how can we say we really believe that if we don't care about our next door neighbor or the people we go to school with or the people we work with? So the mission of Jesus, it will unite us. What, What will hold Connect Church together in the future? There will always be things that come along that can divide us, but what will hold us together? Here it is, the mission. Let's look at the verse here that I've put beneath this idea here. It's really a couple of verses, 18, 19, and 20 from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Jesus came and told his disciples. Again, we're seeing the authority of Christ here. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we are to teach, and those who embrace the truth, we are to baptize them. We're holding off on our next baptism till we are in the new building. So if you if you've recently invited Christ into your life, I'm here to tell you that uh, you know we're we're kind of renters here. The Word Church has been amazing in allowing us to stay here, but we're kind of pushing our next baptismal service till we are in the new facilities over on Killian Road. So we're supposed to teach people, show them about Christ, baptize them. And then teach the new disciples to obey all the commands. So Jesus said, yeah, I've got some things that, that are pretty important. And I want you to teach them to people. And that's why when, when we get together, we say, you, you heard it this morning, you need to be connected to a small group. Because in those small groups, you get some really passionate principles, up close and personal, about how to do life and how to follow what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm with you. You go out and do this. You're never going to be alone. I'll be with you always. So Jesus said, go make disciples, spread the good news. So when you think of a church on your box to check, number one, up at the very top ought to be, is this church a church that loves people who don't know the good news? That's what we pray Connect Church will be. Above all, all else, we love God. We've got to see things. And understand what Jesus taught and and make it personal. we got to understand the church for what it is. It's, It's a body, okay? It's not a building. It's not a business. It is the body of Christ living on this planet. So churches that are united have nailed this issue. Let me give you the next kind of application question here I've put down for you. Here's something for you to make very personal. How do I carry forward the mission... Jesus gave all who follow him. And even a more personal question. Are you living that out in a missional way right now? Because churches that that grab a hold of this become very uniquely scattered. In other words, it sounds kind of ironic, but a church that is connected and united will scatter to do the mission and come back together. We will be united in our willingness to scatter and get out there and do the mission. So the mission is the second thing. The third thing, here it is. A little follow-up to what we talked about in number one, but it's a little more specific. The love we have for one another unites us. I know we talked about this uh, when we started. N- number one, how we think about Jesus, how we think about the church, love one another. But I want you to see the real tangible nature of this love. So here, here it is in our next passage. Philippians chapter two, verse two. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind. And what's that last word? Got a couple mumbles. (laughs) And working together with one mind and what? Purpose. There it is. Paul saw his share of dysfunctional church. He talks about how a guy that used to work with him by the name of Demas. He left and he preferred the things of the world. He settled for short term. He talks, he lists some other names and, and these are recorded in scripture and I won't get into them. But what he, he does spell out here in a positive way is this. You wanna make me happy? Man, get involved here. F- f- find out how, what it means to work together. Your life's never gonna be complete. If you're a spectator, in these services, and it's okay to be a spectator when you're new and, and you're figuring this out, but if you've been coming for a few months, get involved. Be a part of kids' ministry. Be a part of, be a greeter. You know, Connect to a small group. Be a part. There's another verse, and I'm going to wrap it up with this. It is in Psalms, the shepherd who became a king by the name of David, in Psalms, Psalm 133.1, In fact, let's read that verse together. That's our last verse. Would you guys read this with me? Join me. Let's read it out loud. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in... Wow. That's the ideal. I I think you could even say how, how cool it is, how pleasant it is. When God's people live in unity in their homes, with their families, with their spouse. Sin always disrupts, sin divides, sin causes chaos. So if there's chaos in your home, there's some sin there. And so when you confess that sin and forsake it, the beautiful thing about the love of Christ, it is forgiving, and you get a fresh do-over, you get to start all over again. And I want to just plead with you as a church family here today, we're talking about what we want Connect Church to look like. And, and I hope we will be that place where we can easily say we are all about how we see Jesus and how we see the church. We got that figured out. And, and we get the mission. We, we gather to worship, but we scatter to go out and do the mission. But here's this last thing, and you, you just can't get away from it. It's, it's part of who we are. We're we called to love one another. And, and that's my hope and prayer for everyone here today, that you will buy into this idea that Connect Church is going to be about loving one another. And, and so I got a last homework assignment for you. It's the last thing in your, your notes there today. Would you look at that? How, how will God's love be acted out in my life this week? So stand with me. Would you do that right now? Stand together. And, and ask yourself this question. How will I be God's love acted out for someone else. If the body of Christ is supposed to, if we as a family are supposed to love one another, I'll ask it this way. What did you do last week to love somebody in the body, in the family? We get busy and frankly, it's the last thing on our radar. If you know Jesus, you're born again. We are so glad you're here. But please don't be a spectator. Your, your spiritual life will not grow deep roots. If you don't connect to others, You know what happens to a sequoia tree when it pops up without the grove? It doesn't make it. You can't make it on your own. You need the grove. You need the community. And and so today, if you are a believer, this may be a time, start of 2019, to say, Lord, I've been trying this a little bit too much on my own. I need you not just for my salvation. I need you. I need you to make me a part of your family. Help me to be interconnected, interdependent. If you're here today and you, you've never been born again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, we close every service with the worship moment. We also close with an opportunity. If you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, we, we stand down here, Pastor Jay, myself, Pastor Randy, others. We're we here To take the Bible and show you how you can receive Christ. How you can know Him. Be in the family. Thank you for listening today. We hope your heart was inspired. For more information or directions, visit us at abt316.com.